what is a hack? An insult, a derision, a judgment, a judgment and also a name, an identity. The name is typically reserved for stand-up comics who, according to the name caller, are liars. They lie by omission, by adhering too closely to the rules of the game, and in so doing, missing the point of the game. The point is to explode, to define the genre not by its contents, but its edges. Hacks see the point as the line down the middle. They mistake the line for the point. There is method to stand up, a kind of rigor that can't be taught but must be learned, that defines the genre. A hack is someone who eschews that method, choosing instead to steal jokes or cater to a baser audience instinct. Comics who use props are often dismissed as hacks, as props are too easily used as a crutch. Why tell jokes if you can juggle? Or why tell jokes if you have a crutch? The audience is already sympathetic to your plight. Why convey it in words? Imagine a juggler on stage, throwing seven, eight crutches into the air, catching them one by one. Each crutch represents a premise, each catch, each action, an embellishment or details of that premise. That's actually quite difficult. The monotony of the hack set must be carefully rehearsed, but match perfectly to the set of principles the hack set is catering to. There is no harmony, no key change. The hack set is a perfect tonal melodic pairing. Aesthetic meet discourse. In this way, the problem of the hack is not that they are inexperienced, but rather that they are too seasoned. Dane Cook, covered in paprika. Audiences love to smell a familiar thrum of a man's voice into a microphone, imitating his penis, a penis coated in seasoning. A penis, strangling a microphone, rolling around on a filthy stage floor, coated in paprika, cardamom, cinnamon, and human excrement. This is the hack's labor. This is what the hack makes, what he is. He regurgitates humanity. The other day, I don't know if you've ever gotten this, about, uh, it was about 2.30 in the afternoon, I got the itchiest asshole I've ever gotten. <laughs> on record. And I got worried. I gained all the way. I'm like, oh my God, are men going to still be attracted to me? The regurgitation of humanity can be an aesthetic act. In fact, is necessarily such. But it doesn't have to be a good one. By good, I mean effectively reflective. A reflection with a difference. A reflection in a pond with an additional swimming pool. The pool filled with human potential. Limbs all over the place, flailing with utopian ideals. Swim, swim, swim. Hey, Mr. Grumpy Gills. When life gets you down, you know what you gotta do? I don't wanna know what you gotta do. Just keep swimming, just keep swimming, just keep swimming, swimming, swimming. What do we do? We swim, swim. Dorino singing. But sometimes the regurgitation of humanity gets stuck in the throat. A cough. A watery, chlorinated hiccup. <coughs> <coughs> A failed hack. The queer art of failure. Jack Halberstam understands the queer art of failure as the truth of the impossible. He writes, The queer art of failure turns on the impossible, the improbable, the unlikely, and the unremarkable. It quietly loses, and in losing it imagines other goals for life, for love, for art, and for being. Turning impossible. Coughing up what gives you life. 
laughing with a mouthful of blood. Just like an amnesiac trying to get my senses back. A failed hack is someone who, despite their efforts to the contrary, succeeds in alterity. Objection. Mimesis with a difference. Jacques Derrida. Jacques Derrida. Jacques Derrida. All Richard Pryor ever wanted to do was make money. He honed his chops initially as a Bill Cosby replicant, and I mean replicant in the Blade Runner sense. A replicant with thoughts and feelings and desires that reveal that a replicant ontology is by no means sui generis. Prior as Cosby, or really prior as Cosby as prior, as his failed hack shows, just makes the prior part of the equation stand out more. He just can't help being extraordinary. When I get self-conscious, there's a voice in the back of my head says, How's your breath? <laughs> you know, right? I get crazy, you know, because uh, there's nothing worse than walking up to a lady saying, hi. <laughs> and she says, no. <laughs> you know, and, and then right away you want to do something, you try to check yourselves out. You can tell when guys are worried. You ever see a guy, hi, Fred, how you doing? <laughs> and, and guys try to be cool when they go, you know, you ever see guys this, you know, When you're extraordinary, you gotta do extraordinary things. Be kind to me, or treat me mean. I'll make the most of it, I'm an extraordinary machine. Extraneous to the ordinary, inordinately extra. Richard Pryor is always just a little bit extra. Another way of thinking about Pryor's desire for hack success is to think of it as a desire to be taken seriously. There is something inherently serious about an interest in the marketplace. To write unfinished screenplay after unfinished screenplay, to talk endlessly about the differences between men and women, the differences between black women and white women, to give voice to the so often voiced. But instead of a chorus, he starts a cacophony. Shit talk. Shit talk is the talk of the failed hack. Stand-up comedy as an art form is often defined by its here and nowness, its radical temporality, its endless liveness. Successful hacks cut that liveness short, kill it dead, kill the audience, suffocate any surprise. Um, this first song is called A World on Fire. Next song, it's a little bit, a little bit longer than that one. A successful failure, a surprise that survives. Survive in spite. If you stay alive for no other reason, please do it for spite. Uh... In touching feeling, affect, pedagogy, performativity, feminist and queer theorist Eve Kosofsky Sedgwick writes, "The jokes that stick in people's minds are the ones they don't quite get." This line relates to the book's title, you touch the joke, the joke is a feeling, but you can't internalize it, which makes the joke an impossible feeling, a feeling that can't be felt, only touched. I am sitting in a room. The failed hack performs.
I don't know what I'm going to talk about, but I have a list. No, it's exciting. I'm very excited and stuff. I'm glad y'all didn't move. A lot of y'all. But I imagine a lot of y'all will be leaving doing my shit. But that's cool, too, because that should be in the, in the film. This is why the performance of Failed Hack hinges upon the ontology of performance. The conflict between hack and failure, an abortion, a confluence, a dialectic, creates texture. For Kosofsky Sedgwick, texture is at the heart of performance itself. Texture names the tension between human subjectivity, emotions, and expression, performance. She writes, Touching feeling records the intuition that a particular intimacy seems to subsist between texture and emotions. Failed hack, another name for touching feeling, does not just manifest the ways in which texture records emotions and vice versa. Texture names the dynamism of the Anthropocene, the life world of being a person in a scene of people, the failure of hack. Kosofsky Sedgwick's ideas are also very much in line with theorist Lauren Berlant's work on affect, belonging, and the world, an infinite threefold relationship that situates the liberal subject. So cruel optimism is also about a very particular kind of affect, the kind of double-bind affect in which um, uh, attachments that actually help to reproduce what's damaging in the world also represent the world to the people who have them such that they can't give up their attachments even though... Uh, the consequences are terrible um, for people. Failed hack, as texture and cruel optimism, performs and is performance, the deferment of intention within the world of being. Tree bodies, a rubbing, a tension, a jutting in and out and toward. To desire and to not achieve is to perform. Stand-up comedy is always about loneliness. Stand-up exposes the gap between person and personhood, between, as Jean-Luc Nancy would say, the being singular and being singular plural. The loaded gap, like a tooth socket stuffed with cotton. The hardest thing about being alive is that everything is exactly the same as everything else. The hardest thing about being alive is that communication is impossible. So we hack it up. Everything is the same. And I'm going to prove this. Every single thing visible. Every single thing, from every emotion, is the same. Every thought is the same. Every breath is the same. Every form is the same. Hello, 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 everyone! Welcome back to Noisy Ghost! Hello! Oh my gosh! I am here. My name is Eleanor. I am here with Andre Kello. Hello! And Eric Wenzel. Hello. And Luigi. Ow! And we are here to talk about hack, hackiness, hacking sacks. <laughs> uh, David Hackney. No, he's not a hack. David Hackney was. Um, he's also still alive, but not hacktivists. Oh. We could, we could talk. You about called it. me a hacktivist recently. Remember? Oh, I think because you were probably just wearing headphones, <laughs> and I was just like, "You look." You're no, no, because you were like, "You're like." Are you still not paying for internet? <laughs> oh yeah, because you don't pay for internet, and I was yeah. like, that—that's a very hacktivist thing to do. Yeah, yeah. Eric sends all of his emails in the mail to people, and then they—they they read them and then type them into their computers and read them there. Yeah, it's this—it's similar to that service <laughs> where you can order a potato online, and they'll write a message on a potato and send it. What? This is a thing. This is a thing. There's actually a couple companies that do. A that. couple companies yeah. that compete with each other. There's like other. three. <laughs> Um, Spud spam or something. Oh yeah, it's uh, the internet's so close. 
Yeah, so close. It's like spud mail. Oh, great. Okay. <laughs> I have like 16 pages open in, in anticipation of this conversation. Okay. Um, of world domination. Yeah, I mean, I guess... Eric did a lot of research. This is very good. I what did. I wanted to do is I wanted to really discuss... One, you can, like, you can quibble with my what I've sort of outlined is what I mean by failed hack because I spend more time talking about failed hack than I do what like hack is I guess in my thing uh you can quibble with it or hopefully agree with it virulently um or and we can also talk about like who our favorite hacks are who our least favorite hacks are I want this to be a real gossip sesh I I, I'd like to mention something that you were just talking about which is the idea of the the failed hack as being like a good thing because it means that by failing to be a hack they've succeeded at uh creating some kind of real emotion Mm -hmm. can I can I just do this then it's bracketed then we're done and then we can do the hack okay um if you type in potato mail into google (laughs) uh it just shows you a potato with a dick. <laughs> yeah, so you know the gender. It's like a, it's like a, an anatomy book for potatoes. Oh, Sex you, you know what you call that guy? The potato with the dick? You call him the dictator. Oh! Oh, wait. That also reminds me of me, me having a really bad idea for a political cartoon. <laughs> What's the idea? Like, just a box of fries that say dictators or something. <laughs> Instead of freedom fries, or I don't know. Have, okay, anyway. I take anyway. it back. Um, but anyway... <laughs> So you get some results like potato parcel, send a send a message to anyone on a potato, um, mail a spud, mail a spud, mail a spud. Um, but that also that sounds like like a mail order like bride thing. Yeah, but like a chode. Here's a spud. <laughs> um, but it's popular enough that there are two Google AdSense you know results pushed to the top, including send a potato message fifty percent off with code potato 50 at potato transit.com <laughs> but the one i'm really into especially talk about hacktivism uh you can send one also 50 percent off at anonymous potato transit anonymous potato transit is that or, i'm like- sorry no i i conflated it there's potato transit.com and then just anonymous potato anonymous but i like anonymous potato transit because it sort of sounds like there's like some sort of trafficking like yeah. cartel the only one i use is starch correspondence.net <laughs> can we get can we get oh there's also mystery potato.com can we get advertisers for noisy ghost can we get these guys <laughs> yes calling all spuds <laughs> Advertise I bet there's one guy in Idaho who owns all of these domains. Oh, and his name's David Lynch. <laughs> yeah. Except he's in Iowa, right? He's in California. His name's David Spud. David Spud. Like David Pumpkins. <laughs> David, David S. Pumpkins, actually, the S stands for Spud. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. So This the- is some of the stuff linked le- leaked by Anonymous Potato. <laughs> <laughs> Big Activist bit, French fries. Big potato. Okay. What? This is the soup that you use WikiLeaks and then you use potatoes and you end up with a potato WikiLeaks soup. Yeah. Ooh. <laughs> Ouch. <laughs> okay, Andre, you were asking. Okay. Or you were positing. Right. So it's a failed hack. It the thing you're describing, you know, the the person who is attempting some kind of a callous maneuver and maneuver. And in effect, what they do is they reveal more of their humanity than they intended to. Yeah. Like, like, yeah, like you can't, you can't help like doing something amazing even when you suck. Like so even hacks, when you're trying to be like. A hack's trying to make something cynical and, and but commercial, they, but they fail at that and, and make 
like a genuine expression. Yeah, like I, I see this, this a lot is in like, like the... infomercials sometimes. Like an infomercial mm. will try to be like, like do an like infomercial. that bullet thing where they're like, like what? Yeah. The, that one where they're like, they're like, they've all died, but they're in purgatory and they're like seeing the, you know, the thing, it's the bullet. And there's like the lady that's got the cigarette that has the ash falling off it. And there's all these different uh, archetypes. I was thinking of the like, I've fallen and I can't get up lady. Like, like that's but, iconic and weird yeah. and like, but it's just like a stock line that she read from a side somewhere probably. But, but why it's... are you so unwilling to give these people credit for being deliberate? Like, it seems like you're uh, ascribing to these people an intention right. or rather a lack of an intention that uh, all of a sudden, for some reason, matters in how we experience the thing. Yeah, the, that's the problem with the argument is that it, it is inherently like a modernist argument that assumes a sort of coherent liberal subject that like is you know insisting its will upon the world and then that will comes to comes to completion or not when really that's not what people do people are people, well, the, are, people are operated on but when we criti- by discourse rather than they are we criticize hacks but uh, you know i think when we criticize someone for being a hack it's because we presume to understand their intentions okay well I'll so be- wait i Wait. I will be real with this. Okay. I will be real right now. This monologue is very much a part of my thought process for my dissertation project, which is like, which is very much about Richard Pryor. Yes. Any of Eleanor's students who are listening to this episode get credit for this. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Also, Andre, you, you, uh, in effect, have mic'd your feet. I don't know if you noticed that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So that's what that stereo Um, 4.1 surround or whatever. So I think, I think. Really, so the reason that my my treatise that I espoused at the beginning of the episode is probably not any good and not sound philosophy by any means is because it's sort of like a sketch or something. Yeah, it's like very much motivated by this like feeling I have about Richard Pryor, which Mm. is why it's a monologue and not real scholarship. Like because I'm just like I have a feeling about this. Like I I because like everything he writes about or everything he talks about in interviews about all he ever wanted to do was make money. And, like, all of his, like, even, you just, like, see it. Like, he'll start to, like, early on in his career when he was doing, he was just ripping off openly. Openly. Like, Bill Cosby. Just, like, going into clubs and, like. Well, nearly everybody when they're people and taking them back to his place. No, no, no. I mean, Richard Pryor did a ton of bad things, but I don't know if he roofied anybody. Are we still doing a podcast that's about Bill Cosby raping people? Always Yeah, well, I thought, wait, isn't this the... Bill. Noisy Ghost Dad. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> but uh, um, it's been years. <laughs> but anyway. Well, there's new news. Oh, that that's true. They're uh, doing a thing he's about back him. in the news. They're yes. doing a thing about him on my murder channel that I love, uh, Investigative Discovery. They're doing a special about Bill Cosby. I was really hoping was he was going to be the the follow up to the O.J. Simpson TV movie event. Oh, that's that would be that's a little soon too soon. Yeah. Maybe they could do a serial about him or something or. Uh, pop tart about him oh, i don't know wait what was that what was i saying i don't remember what i was saying richard pryor well, oh uh, okay he, so he did everything cosby did yeah so in the beginning uh and then he you know eventually became the richard pryor that we yeah, but lots of comics know, do see. that right but they have somebody that no they one, love and they, they pryor, that's how you learn like musicians do it too but richard pryor does this thing where i think he sort of ties the like old school like vaudeville old timey approach to stand up where you're doing like a like a circuit where you're telling the same jokes every night and you're trying to get this particular re- reaction out of an audience and the sort of new pomo 
jokes don't have to be funny in order to work. Like, you know, uh, Judd Apatow sort of comedy that I think or he sort Kaufman. of like bridges. Yeah, or Andy Kaufman or like, and like, like he bridges the like old timey comedy where it's just like, hello, my darling, I'm like a time now, or whatever. <laughs> and then, and then, and then the like, uh, you know, like weird. But how is this different from what stuff? you were trying to say about this exact subject in the second episode of Noisy Ghost back in the fall of 2014? About impersonations? I believe about you said... Uh, like, how is a hack different from somebody just doing an impression of a comedian? It probably isn't. I don't know. It's an... Imp- yeah, I guess an, an doing an impersonation of a comic? I don't know. That's not my understanding of hack. Yeah. Yeah. My my understanding is... Uh, I think a hack... Impersonation can sometimes be neutral. Like, it can be a pastiche. And I think If you're an hack, impressionist, you're probably and a, hack a hack. Can, and a hack is also... But hack is always necessarily politically loaded because it's not... It's not creative in the way that comedy is supposed to be or whatever. I think being a failed hack in certain situations is worse than even being a good hack. Not on stage, but... The thing that you describe as being a hack, I, I have an office job and I encounter people just having like normal human interactions all the time mm-hmm. or attempting to anyway. And when it when they screw it up, that's the worst. Like somebody attempting to do like fun, do fun office banter and then it goes off the rails and it, it becomes this horrifying like... Uh, yeah. Oh, that's, that's that's art though like i love that <laughs> i don't know that's... right but when you're when not... you're there it's incredibly awkward right. and painful <laughs> right right I'm, I'm saying that like for but when it's art it's like really good when it's art yeah but that's an important distinction yes yeah. well i think the word i think you're there's another kind of failed hack well first the definition of hack is up for grabs right yeah so partially it's someone that's like kind of in a cynical way just doing stuff for the money or or to to get a a preordained reaction from the audience that they've you know yeah i'm pretty sure the oldest definition or the oldest use of the word was just the idea of someone who was a hack as in like somebody a mercenary well no somebody who had a um somebody who whipped a horse for a living what really well i looked it up on miriam webster and they didn't talk about horse whipping well, somebody who you know drives a carriage is a hack because mm-hmm. they're, they're, yeah, a taxi driver, right? Mm-hmm. And that then the taxi they drive is their hack, mm-hmm. and that this became a whole thread of the use of this word, right? And like the computer hacker is an extension of that idea. It's somebody who is like hacking as in working, you know, someone who is uh, committed to working for a long period of time at this one thing. Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like someone with an axe could hack at a tree. You know, they're they're committed in an unartful way to repeating something over and over again. Yeah. Oh, you're right. A horse. So I did actually look it up today after I was reading about people, who, someone in particular who I thought of as a hack. Um, mm-hmm. I was like, I should just like look it up. And then I was like, wow, there are seven definitions of hack. Mm-hmm. Um, so the one we're concerned with is number three, which is a noun. Mm-hmm. Hackney, taxi cab, cab driver, a horse let out for common use. Yeah. Uh, so that's what he was talking about, Andre over there. Oh, also, I mean, nothing but a person. Is- this was the one that I centered in on. Um, a person who solely works for mercenary reasons, i.e., a hireling. 
so like hireling yeah uh which is like a a prostitute halfling (laughs) or a youngling um so writer who a writer who works on order or a writer who only aims at commercial success or a writer who works on law and order they're typically hacks yeah but no brilliant Brilliant nonetheless. But occasionally working. Oh, no, you brilliant. can be a genius and a hack. So the fourth fourth one is an adjective which Joan I Joan Rivers is a genius and a hack. Well, this... uh, she's sometimes a failed hack though. She's a failed hack, I think. Mm. But sometimes um, not. But sometimes not. So the fourth definition of hack. Adjective working for hire, especially with mediocre professional standards. A hack journalist. <laughs> Ouch. Performed <laughs> or suited to a person who works or writes purely for the purpose of earning money. I like to think that the person who wrote this definition for Merriam-Webster was like getting divorced from a journalist. Yeah. Or like, <laughs> like, for example, you know, a hack- someone who writes for Time Magazine named Brad. <laughs> oh God, he was he was begging his editor, "You gotta let me put her face in here. I just I need to have it so that when it, she opens the dictionary to this word, there's her face. Because she and she's such a hack. She like look herself up, just wondering. Yeah. What am I? Oh right. Oh, I want to make a quick Yeah, caveat. we have to cra- cross-reference it with my ex-wife. I want to make a caveat. See also hack. <laughs> CF hack. I want to make a caveat that none of this discussion of hack is meant to uh, mar the good name of Hackney's on Harms, which is an excellent restaurant that everyone should go to. It has the best cheeseburger Or also isn't world. Hackney a... Uh... I don't, part don't think, of I don't think we're intending to disparage anyone or anything. I know. I was, oh, I was not here getting... I, all yeah, my yeah, research no. was like, oh, this and is with, a fucktard and, I'm going to talk about. No, and with that caveat, I yeah, this is something I actually have a hard time with my students talking about, too. Sometimes, like, with, with satire as being like, just because something isn't satire doesn't mean it isn't, like, smart or good. Like, there's also pl- plenty of satire that is bad and mm. sucks in the same way that there's plenty of, like high art that sucks and is bad like like that movie high art but yeah yeah but to be clear andre loves that movie lisa cholodenko is only one name on uh the chalkboard that eric brought with him that has his long list of all of the hacks that he hates that he's gonna put on blast <laughs> on today's lisa episode on blast. is that is that the uh the creative force that brought us the high writer art? and director who also uh believe it or not uh wrote and directed an episode of law and order Really? Is it the one yes, with Sean Penn's it? brother? Yeah. What? Wait. What did she write? What's episode? Oh, I don't remember. It was one from the late nineties. Uh-huh. I guess. Is it well, just high art? Is it just yeah. high art? Oh yeah. It's. It, oh, I. I bet I know what it is because the there's a there is an episode about art from the late nineties that has the redheaded woman that's in high art. Oh my god. And the end of the episode is the most hackneyed fucking trite line ever because she totally borrows the Andy Warhol line about one of the factory people that committed suicide by jumping out a window and that's how the movie the episode ends with the the cliffhanger ending and it was did somebody take a picture oh my god you know lisa cholodenko is in a certain way a kind of an example of a hack in that she does the same thing over and over right uh woody allen high art laurel canyon and the kids are all right are all examples of stories about a lesbian and a straight woman or else a a lesbian and a lesbian and then the lesbian sleeps with a man but in in general it's about a a woman who is sleeping with somebody who's the wrong gender for who she's supposed to be sleeping with mm-hmm. every one of these stories is that story over and over again 
if you Google her as I'm now, because I'm determined to find this Law and Order episode, Lisa Cholodenko net worth comes up before high art. <laughs> what is her net worth? I don't know. Let's find out together. What's Lisa Cholodenko? I'm guessing that after that divorce, that it must have inspired the kids are all their right. kids are all right. That she's been getting Googled a lot by all of her Tinder dates. Ooh. Oh, because they're... Whoa, should I be doing that? What, trying to find Lisa Cholodenko on Tinder? Yes. No. Yeah. <laughs> well, if her movies are any indication, you at least have 50% of a shot. Right, because she... Well, like most of the women I date, she'll sleep with me and then feel like uh, it's the wrong gender and be very <laughs> troubled by it. Oh, cell phone from Eric. S- uh, self. Oh. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, it says uh, as of 2017, she earned $77 million Shit. at heightweightnetworth.com. Heightweightnetworth.com? Yeah. Height, wait, wait are you sure com. that seventy seven million isn't her com. weight? Height, or her height? <laughs> seventy seven million exact sum. If we just look out the window, can we see her? <laughs> that would indicate seventy seven million pounds and seventy seven million feet tall. Which would make her very skinny, actually. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> if I were six feet tall and I weighed six pounds, that would be very, very skinny. <laughs> It just says, this is probably written by a bot. Lisa Cholodenko made money by director's niche for all time at the moment. 2017 year, Lisa Cholodenko earned 77 million exact sum. 77 million, but it's written out in numbers and in words. Oh, yeah, that's a, yeah. It's just trying to get you to click the link. Yeah. But the, the reason I bring it up is because I wonder about this question of the, the hack not as... Eleanor describes <laughs> stupid bitch but <laughs> well you know not as a as a now person, you just owned yourself <laughs> yeah. not the hack who is the person who is lying to you about whether or not they're a human being but mm-hmm. the hack who is the person who repeats an artistic practice mm-hmm. now most filmmakers then are hacks because most well nearly everyone is a hack yeah. who makes anything because pretty much everybody who's any good at all at anything has repeated it yeah. in order to get better yeah. but this is a hack practice right because this yeah. is what hacks are doing they do something not because they think that it's right or good or weird or new or cool or whatever they do it because they think that if they keep doing it they'll get better at it she also directed the tv event the slap mm. i don't know what that is it's about this dad that slapped this kid that was slapping his son or something and there was like they made it i'm not kidding them an entire tv series about like oh yeah a kid a guy a, kid, a, a guy kid, slaps a, a kid that's not his and right like, somebody else's kid i saw a mom the other day actually on our block andre it was sort of like macabre and funny at the same time and upsetting it was this mom was hitting her child <laughs> and saying uh she's like she's like you hit your teacher you hit your teacher. We don't hit our teachers, okay? We don't hit our friends. And she was like, hey, listen to me. And like hitting Whoa. the kid. And I was like, uh, it was like, it was sort of like, 
I mean, it was, I was at the time I was like very like sick to, I felt sick to my stomach yeah. and like really upset about it, but it was also like, Sort of, of course like, you felt sick to your stomach because that Freud thing somewhere a child is being beaten and she's like hey hey kid hey somewhere a child's being beaten yeah yeah right here right yeah, now yeah, yeah. she's like stop she's like, Whammo. Almost, almost like she's like stop hitting yourself stop hitting yourself but i was just like <laughs> he's like this is hey so, hey awful. listen i was it was so awful i'm sorry luigi I didn't mean to yeah it was yeah it was really upsetting my the best overheard i ever had of weird child discipline <clears throat> was uh when I was gallery sitting as an undergrad and in the lobby, there was some, there was a kid going, running around being nuts. Cause it was probably their older sibling was at the school or something. Mm-hmm. And the mom like brought her out to sit on the bench in the lobby. And she just said, if you can't control yourself, I will control you. <laughs> and I was, I'm like, I wrote that down. <laughs> I was like, I was just like, wow. That's a good name for a show. I think. Yeah. <laughs> Make some text art out of that. Hacks, Copyright Basquiat. I, is there a hack voice? The the voice that just is like the funny voice but isn't funny? Okay, so my idea of like the hack voice, not for comedy, but for academia, is like my long-running obsession with feminist voice, which is best, uh, I think, emblemized by NPR voice, like Terry Gross or Ira Glass. Like, they have serious cases of feminist voice. Hmm. So that's my, like, hmm, can you say more about that? Like, I don't know. Uh, I, but I don't know how it would work for comedy. I guess, like, waka, 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 but that's a noise, and that's also not, that's also. That's like making fun of the hack. Exactly. I think Fozzie Bear is a great example of the thing that you're describing, which is the failed hack in that it's a person. Yeah, Fozzie is totally a failed hack. No, he is a hack. No. Well, he wants to be a hack. Yeah. And he keeps But he's trying. not good at it because, I mean, because he's like, because unlike uh, Richard Pryor, something like imitating a good or a successful comedian doing the like, I'm doing what's working for the Bill Cosby bit. Like Fozzie's like, what is my idea of like the typical bad comedian? And then he's like, I'm going to do that and have like a fish in my hand or something. Like, <laughs> this is the repetition with the difference. That's. That's like yeah, Fozzie. he's like a parody of a hack. That's what yeah. makes him more because it's a repetition with a difference. It's a parody. He's like, dude, he is like the Andy Kaufman of Muppets. Yeah, God, yeah. but it's such a dream. Oh, if only, what if, what if one moment in your life you went into a a, a, a bar, some place that has some kind of a comedy show going on, and a bear walks <laughs> out on stage and does shitty material, <laughs> no, and then you'd be like, he's a comedian. He's not even good. <laughs> That bear doesn't understand humor. It's so much funnier if the bear is a comic and is bad at it. It's so much funnier that way than if he were like just like a really successful bear. Right. Yeah, I think if like Louis C.K. is if a bear went out on stage and was good at comedy. You're like, yeah, oh. he is. He's that yeah, because sort of he's like, I'm just going to go back into my. Into well, because my being good den. at comedy is so extraordinary that if a bear walked out on a stage and did good material for like 15 minutes, you'd be talking about the material. Right. You wouldn't even be talking about the fact that there was a bear doing comedy. <laughs> yeah. I think maybe the hack voice is like how everyone can do like, no, it's fine to make a presentation. Except yeah. me, apparently. Oh, I guess like. <laughs> There's this voice. Hello, can I do an Arnold Schwarzenegger impersonation? There's this isn't this I is, I'm Arnold Schwarzenegger, I am. <laughs> this is getting closer. Come with me if you want to live. Governor. Uh, this is okay, this is getting He is the governor, actually. This yes he is. Oh. 
Governors. Governors. I'm the governor, I am. <laughs> um, I'm the governator. Um, this is getting closer, but there is a thing I observe that is a of a particular kind of comic that does a particular kind of comedy, typically... Uh, not if not stoner humor, but adjacent to stoner humor, which is just banal observational comedy, um, which is sort of a subset of of stoner stoner humor for this particular kind of comic, where it's the guy who does the sort of Mitch Hedberg voice or the Harris Whittles jo- voice, or it's like this sort of monotone. And guys can only do it; girls can't do it. It's like if, if a girl went up on stage and did this, they would be like, she wouldn't be. People would be like, I have no patience for it. Wait, isn't this Aubrey Plaza's bit? <laughs> yeah, and I have no patience for it. <laughs> but I also don't have any patience for it for dudes either. Uh, I mean, like, this sort of... Do you know what I'm talking about, though? Like, the sort of monotone... Like... Are you saying men doing it or women doing it? Well, there's a, it? Lo- there's any, a any, pretty mo- long I think Aubrey, Aubrey Plaza thing, is, like, the only woman I know that does it. But, um... Um... The, the comic who does the, the monotone voice and says absurd things that don't really have a punchline. Yeah. And the, the guy stands up... Like Dimitri up. Martin does Well, this. I'm thinking um, Stephen right. Wright. Yeah, Stephen Wright's the guy. He, he's, he's, yeah. the, he's the originator of it, though. He's like the Jesus Christ of that, and you, you so you can't accuse him of being a, a false messiah coming afterwards. After but, he's already relieved us from but uh, I think that having you know jokes with endings that character though of the the guy who who says non sequiturs in a monotone without reacting to anything I that's a uh, that's a character of like the hipster from the 50s it's, a, yeah, it's, a Len- it's, it's like it's, a Dobie Gillis result, kind of a character it's also a, yeah and Lenny, you mean Maynard G. Krebs Dobie Gillis was not Dobie Gillis. that's exactly right bit. Eric yes I do mean Maynard G. Krebs giggity yeah <laughs> Leonard, That's my catchphrase. I gay gay Yeah, Lenny Bruce did it a little bit, but he also did a lot of voices and like, ener- he had a lot of energy too. But what? that's not a hack voice. I don't know. I don't want to say like anytime you can I- identify a type that's necessarily well, hack. Perhaps you have to be careful that you don't conflate comic you hate with hack <laughs> yeah because there are true. plenty of comics who are not hacks who are also just you know maybe just you don't think they're funny like i know you're not a big fan of sam kinnison yeah but i don't think he's a hack right, right. obviously he's not a hack nobody yeah. would ever accuse sam kinnison of being a hack yeah. but you know plenty of people think he's not funny yeah yeah hmm. i cannot find any reference to law and order SVU or criminal intent or plain old. It was a, it was original. It was not crispy or anything. It was original flavor. I'm I'm not finding any reference on our IMDb page. <laughs> Todd Barry does the kind of monotone voice, sort of. I don't know. Oh, he, for sure he does. But he but it's different from like the Dimitri Martin thing. But well, I'm trying to figure it's out. It's because Todd Barry has a, a all that vitriol. Yeah. Like these other people. That... Yeah, right. He has an affect to match it where, or, or to, to contradict it, whereas the others don't. But I don't think any of those people, I don't think like Dimitri Martin's just like a boring hipster comic. I don't think he's a hack. Is he? Mm. Bo Burnham's a hack. Oh my God. My students would hate that you said that. Go on. Well, they're getting course credit for this podcast, so they better <laughs> fucking like it. How is how, I, I know, my students are obsessed? I know with Bo that Burnham. people laugh at Bo Burnham, and I, I cannot imagine why they would do that. <laughs> I think that perhaps he does. He's like a showman 
and he is doing things on a stage that 17-year-olds maybe haven't seen someone else do. Yeah. I think it's like, oh, this is the thing. This is the fucking thing that I hate. It's where uh, people, uh, if they... If they're self-reflexive, they can tip. They can trick people into thinking they're smart. Like, like this is Woody Allen's entire thing. Rory is Scoville it, as well. I think. Yeah, it is like if you're self-aware, um, people will be like, "Oh yeah, he knows that he's performing. Therefore, the comedy must be good." Once again, we are not disparaging any particular comedians or any performers. <laughs> I just realized that like I've I've got like a bad Google brain. So you're like, you're saying Bo Brenham or whatever. Bo and my, Bo Burnham. And my like limited Google brain is just coming up with a result. Did you mean Bo Bergdahl? <laughs> <laughs> like, 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 uh, that's all the search no, engine I No, Bo have. Bergdahl is not a hack. <laughs> no, he committed to that <laughs> bitch. <laughs> yeah, um, uh, yeah I, I think there is like, there is a particular self-reflexivity and awareness that people will give you like, will give you the world if you perform it because it's it's like a trick to saying you're smart as if you're self-aware but plenty of people are self-aware and are very dumb isn't that on it's on the journey oh wait no yes i was gonna say isn't that on the journey to (laughs) self-awareness bo burnham gets a lot of um being self-aware is on the is on the route to self-awareness he gets a lot of being self-aware is on the route to self-awareness yeah because i realized i fucked that up i was like in my head because i was like isn't it on the way to being smarter I guess if you're self-aware, you you have the potential. Yeah. No, it's not an inessential aspect on the journey to smartness. It's just not the only. It's not. Yeah, it's not the it's qualifier. Not an, it's not a means, and a, it's not an end unto itself. Like but a, yeah. you wouldn't say that a hack isn't smart because hacks no, are no. are pretty Har- typically they're too smart for their own good. Mm. Yeah, that they've figured out a shortcut to getting people to say yes to their uh, performance. Dress without having to actually connect with them on a human level. But they do a lot of stupid stuff, though. Like, I think... They make a lot of bad decisions. I think Weird Al is a hack who's, like, too smart smart for his own good. All right, once again, we are not here to debate the merits of Weird Al. I think he's brilliant. Whose accomplishments stand for themselves. I think he's a hack because he does, as Andre is saying, in, like, the literal sense, that he does the same thing over and over again. Well, he has a practice. I mean, yeah. in any other medium. Yeah, right. Like this He's is... like the Ankuara of making fun of pop other... culture music. Yeah, in any other medium, if he were like a sculptor and he made like the same chair and over, over and over again, people would be like, and it's an exercise repetition. But if you're a comic, it's like, oh my God, give me something new. But that's no, the thing. He's no, not a, there are artists that do comedian. the same thing in their fucking a, hacks. He's a comedian, but he's also a musician. Yeah, so. Right, people... and musicians can literally perform the same piece of music every day for their entire life and be extraordinary. Who California. I mean, Glenn Gould has been doing the same, what, seven Beethoven compositions yeah. since the 80s. Oh, here's my hot take, oh. the, which is not. It should be universal, goes without like saying take. Like a take? take? Okay. Or it should be, I don't know. you Tepid it, take? Uh, feels just right take. <laughs> okay. It should be the one where you're like, that was that. the hack voice. <laughs> um, the Eagles are way bigger fucking hacks than Weird Albert Yankovic. Yeah, sure. I'm just saying that he does technically apply to our But, uh, well, you know, to be fair, the Eagles are still, well, you know, Glenn Fry's dead now, but for a long time they were performing exactly the same songs over and over again for decades, where Weird Al is putting out a new album every few years. Mm-hmm. So he's still writing he's new music, you know, 40 years into his career. Yeah. 
he's able to keep up with the times more than the musicians that he makes fun of. He's like, he is, he has become more culturally relevant than a lot of the things that he's made fun of. Yeah. Which I think is cool. That is sort of cool. Well, I guess the other thing is he seems sincere. Like, cause that was one of the things that I oh, like. No, when no, they... no. Hacks can be super sincere. But well, I thought you were saying that was one of the things is that they're inhuman. Um, yeah, they can be in like, have you ever met like a really boring person, like an ontologically boring person? Yes. Like those people I think are also They're hacks. like hack humans. They're like hack humans. Like they can't. This is what I was trying to describe about office interaction. Yeah, yeah. This uh, is, this is, okay, this okay. is like the, like, like the, yeah, the people who are like Mondays, like. One thing I got. Act, who actually, yeah. like I actually heard someone say that. Like I think you have to be careful though when it comes to <laughs> hack comedians or other kinds of performers you might imagine to you know be unwilling to engage in a kind of avant-garde risk-taking i think you gotta be careful of you can't be racist about it because there are tons of uh comedy performers for example who have very large dedicated audiences who are uh you know not the white comedy nerd audience that's a very good point that's an extremely good point yeah there is. I, all the hacks I were thinking of were white men, honestly. No, but I, I understand. Your what Kevin I... Jameses, your Adam Sandlers. Well, when you describe the 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 characteristics, the 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 calling card of the hack as being the 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 thing that Richard Pryor would do when he was uh, starting out mm-hmm. as you know doing Bill Cosby's uh, you know lame, tired material about how women and men are different from each other and yeah. how uh, you know. Um, black people are different from white people and you know the the kind of shit that you know if you if you went up at an open mic here in chicago and did stuff like that they boo you off the stage yeah but, but sometimes that can be but that stuff really kills good. all over the country all the time at like you know shitty little venues near airports and yeah and bad casinos that's a good point i guess but i don't think there's something inherent also there's not something wrong with that model observational humor can be incredibly funny and yeah is i mean i think a lot of times the point of humor the point uh the value that humor and comedy provides is like i'm gonna take a look at these kind of foible differences between us and you and then we realize we can laugh over it and then i think there, you have this utopian sort of like oh yeah, there is an artistry to knowing exactly what people want that i will never possess and i think that's or and many people will never most people will never possess and that's that's extraordinary and that is right. in a way they're sort of like the yeah. ice cream man you know the ice cream man yeah. in his truck and he's and it's driving that's, around at night with the jingle going selling yeah. drugs out of it do 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 you know it's, yeah. the, it's literally the exact same thing over and over again forever and you know kids are have for the last 10 years yeah. have been eating the same shitty SpongeBob SquarePants ice cream bar yeah. thing. For generations. Oh yeah, you know I, I was never happier when I like was a those, little kid than when yeah. the ice cream man showed up, and you know, the those ice cream bars were terrible, but mm. they made me happy. And this is a thing, you know, kids love yeah. hacks. Yeah, they do. Kids love hacks. Yeah. Wasn't well, it's a comfort thing <clears throat> when you're when you're like completely alone in the world and you don't know how the world works, but there's something you've seen before. It's like, oh, it's, it's like. Why you like to watch the same thing over and over again when you're a little kid or listen to the same song over and over again. It does make your world a little bit smaller and in that yeah. way a little bit less scary because yeah. it's more manageable. Yeah. You know, if you if you limit the world that you have to worry about to, you know, just the 
the three minutes of this guy telling you about how he farted in an elevator, mm-hmm. then, you know, once he's done it a few times, then, you know, you feel comfortable that this is something that you understand <laughs> all the sides of. This It's not like nearly everything else in the world when you're a kid where, you know, you hear somebody describe something, you're like, I have no, I get, I've I got, never, yeah. I got maybe 10% of that fart joke. You know, wait, are you saying, way over my wait, head. wait, wait, are you saying that it was one fart sustained for three minutes, like a single note? <laughs> Because that's that's not hack. That's extraordinary. That's 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 like, like that organ that's playing that that composition that's going to take three hundred years or whatever. As slow as possible, the John yeah. Cage composition to, in yeah. that, that organ in Germany. Right? Yeah, it's six hundred and something years. Yeah, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, that that's true. Um, and that's yeah. I I guess what I was trying to say though is that that's that can be beautiful, and that's a very good note. But I don't think that it's avant garde. Well, isn't part of the? I think I think the hack thing is that it's that it's not at all. I think failed yeah. hack is avant garde. But no, not, but that's like accidentally avant garde, which by oh, the way so, is also oh, a sitcom that I'm writing. But the failed hack is always incredibly authentic because you can't fake failed hack. Yeah. Like you, you would have yeah. to be such an extraordinary hack <laughs> that you could pretend. To be a failed You'd have hack. to somehow hack yeah. inside of the hack. Yeah. Yeah. It's incept the hack. Yeah. And I, I, am, I think I am that's in- what Dimitri Martin attempts to do. I think no. he is maybe, uh, he wants to be the, the hack who is able to imitate a failed hack. He wants to be like an asshole that doesn't get in trouble for being oh, an a- asshole. Oh, Andy Kaufman was the hack who imitated the failed hack. Yeah. I absolutely think that Andy Kaufman But I think he did that as like a, yeah. a way to inoculate himself against failure where he's I like if so i too. fail then i can't fail like right. if it, i plan exactly. to fail if bombing exactly. is part of the routine then he could never really bomb Exa- i agree yeah. yeah and i also think that like but who the- gives a shit what his motivations are yeah fuck people well i think it, it not to do with his motivations but i think that for my my disinterest or the fact that i although i acknowledge and revere Andy Kaufman for his groundbreaking work. You listen to ASDR quilts. I uh, I don't think Andre's rubbing his feet against a quilt. Um, I I think that part of the reason that I never really got into Andy Kaufman is because it's like uh, It's not funny. Because it's not funny. <laughs> and like that's my that's my criticism of, of like Judd Apatow like yeah. comedies too. Oh, is cl- I'm just so there- like Kaufman could be very, very funny. Yes, he like could when, be. when he was okay. He he did the thing where he reads the uh, Great the Gatsby, grass, yeah, right, and he. But that's re- something I don't want to see. But I love. I'm like I love hearing about that, right? It's, but there's more is... like Andre. Tell me the story again about how Andy Kaufman. Did. <laughs> there are gags in it though. Like he he read the the first page. And, you know, the audience gets a little restless and then they start to boo. And, you know, he's he's halfway through the second page and, and somebody yells out, you know, to stop. And and he he uh, looks out at the audience and he says, I have a lot of book to finish right now. OK, <laughs> and he holds it up and yeah. then he gets a laugh. And that's yeah. a, and that's a legit laugh. Yes. I'm not saying that he never yeah. made a joke in his entire life. No, I'm not, saying that's that what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that the the avant garde stuff was peppered with regular dumb old yeah. you know dumb jokes mm-hmm. yeah there's there's two things i want to ask about one's topical one's monetary okay how much am i being paid to be? <laughs> um <laughs> oh. <laughs> just beer and pizza all right 
Um, the I think a hack thing is also when money is more important than the thing or the the personality, the the brandability of the thing. Like da- partially why Dane Cook is a hack is that no one knows anything about his humor or his style or anything. They're just like he's in movies and he like everyone thinks he's successful. Like so his. Yeah. That's part of the hackness. He sells like, at Madison Square Garden, right? I mean, he's, he's yeah. supposed to be some kind of an enormous comedy Yeah, he's superstar. like a rock star. Yeah, but Isn't no he... one knows a fucking joke that he's ever told. Oh, no, that's not true. There are plenty of people that know tons of Dane Cook jokes. Oh. That's not true. I went... No, well, I don't know, so therefore no one else does. <laughs> no, there are plenty of people who No, what do, you gotta do is talk do to it. a parole officer who's dealt with people who uh, were charged with date rape, and that guy will know every <laughs> yeah. Dane Cook joke. Oh. Yeah. Uh... I, I but guess, it does seem okay, like okay. So here's what here's a, another point that I wanted to make though with my broader thing is that uh, that connects to your monetary thing mm-hmm. is that I think the failed hack is can be is the one thing that can sort of get a stand up comedy practice which is super mired in an American democratic capitalist milieu, but a failed hack kind of gets us close to some sort of communist dream because it's like failing at making money it's like it's like trying to make money and failing Does that at just it. mean you're a failure it's, like it's the thing that, pe- that yeah. the that people were always trying to avoid talking about when they were talking about how like file sharing was going to destroy the world right like there was never going to be art ever again because when you take There'd away the no profit monetary. motive then there was no reason yeah. for anybody to ever make art ever again and yeah and yet we have podcasting yeah we have all these <laughs> well the so the thing the other thing i'm well i have a the I find it very interesting that you guys are very focused on the idea of a failed hack because that means you've you've sidestepped just hackery, hackney, hack hackiness. Mm-hmm. Um, but hack then all hack, you've yeah, we, so, we've so, taken a bus out of hack and sack. So you're you're not wanting to you get for your money. Mm-hmm. What? It was Billy Joel here. Oh, okay. <laughs> Hack! Billy Joel's a fucking hack. Yeah, moving out. Oh, you can move God. out of he my can move face. Move out of my life. Yeah. Oh God. Um. So you're not talking about just hacks. I hate Billy Joel. Yeah. <laughs> well, now we are. <laughs> and also not people that are just good comedians. So I find it kind of interesting that it's like it's this like double negative. You're like. Well, You're not, like the the locus of our like argument is about what a failed hack is. Well, and, it's sort of like that's what Halberstam's thing about the queer art of failure is. Like failure is like this this opportunity. Like you fail at you fail at you fail at like your sexuality. You fail at gender roles, but you created something at the same time. Like the idea that you don't uh, form to expectation is that means that you're inevitably creating a surprise. Well, is, is a failed is hack a, and beautiful. Was a failed hack a synthesis between hack and what? what is the opposite of a hack? The opposite of a hack is a, an artist is somebody who's avant-garde. Yeah, because somebody who's avant-garde is somebody who takes risks for the sake of taking a risk because they care more about exploring mm. their medium than they do about success. And a right. hack is the opposite. Somebody who never takes a risk. And only does things they know to be successful without even giving a shit about their but own. But aren't taste. there a lot of? This but the thing. other thing is they've grown out of that, right? Like take Eric Clapton, who I was surprised to learn was not a hack. Like Eric Clapton is very talented. Yeah, well, but no, actually. <laughs> what? 
you don't like Eric Clapton? It's cheesy as fuck. And then I was like, years later, was like, what? He was in the Yardbirds. He was in the proto Led Zeppelins. Like, oh, I think Eric. Like, oh, I thought he was just like an adult contempt boring ass oh, rocker yeah there was a period for about 20 years when there was a serious argument about whether he was the best guitarist to ever live yeah yeah and you're true. like that guy I don't know. like i don't know he was just cheesy as fuck mm. um what's the relationship between cheese and hack uh well if you're good at i don't know you have to hack off shit che- to get some cheese, cheese off the loaf is a cheese is an audience affect the spectator is necessarily interpreting cheese. Like they're in, they're experiencing something as cheesy, but the hack. But what is it? What is cheese? It's when something uh, meets expectations so much that you're actually that, that, you're like, oh, is this what I like ordered? Too much. It's like abject. Yeah. It's yeah, like, I guess it is. It, 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 is... Met, it meets the expectations of what you expected. Like to so see too much. Too much of an aesthetic. Too much of an expected feeling that you f- expected to feel like you too like, they they are cheesy because they're like so emotional like Burt Bacharach is cheesy but it's there's yeah, a, but he's but there's good a narrow band of affect Burt Bacharach's when, good cheese oh, wait so we like Burt Bacharach we don't like you too because I'm fine with this I'm just trying to well that, but it, so you two's <laughs> another example though of they were like Joshua Tree and war and all that shit like that was real expression and that was really good and then at some point now they're like, we have to be you two really hard and like, uh, but it's now not, they're all hedging their bets all the time and they're only going to be like, it's not the affect itself in excess. We're, we're talking about wait, the it, band, not the band in excess. We're <laughs> zing. Wait, what was my thing? A goo. What was it? Uh, it's not the affect hack. in, in excess. It's the, the signs of that. Yeah, no, the, yeah, no the, the content exceeding, the bounds of its So, form. like, it yeah. isn't about something being yeah. too scary. It's about something having too much of the thing that's yeah. supposed to yeah. be I scary. Yeah, I think that's what I meant to say. Yeah, I didn't scary. mean the affect was too much. Right, or it could be something, like, scary. I mean, not, it's, it's not going to actually be scary. It's, like, it's full of the thing that's supposed to be scary, like Jason versus uh, Freddy, right? Like, But you know it's not going to be scary. Yeah. It, it's going to be re- it, it goes, it, it's not scary because... They overdid the sign. Yeah, it's like or like the Hellraiser when they went to space. It's like no, dude. Like, yeah, space is scary and Pinhead is scary, but like no. <laughs> and a love story can be romantic, but when you when you have like the doves and the gauzy, uh, blurry images and yeah. the like a John Woo and the music yeah. and the, and there's like flowers and shit and you have too much of the sign. Yeah. Then you end up with it being cheesy. Yeah. And the, I guess the reason is that when you pile on the sign in excess, that what you end up with, the sign obviously is not in excess. It's, 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 when, you, it's when you, yeah, it's when you end up with a, a commercial free hour of B96 in 1991. <laughs> now the, now Ace of Base is cheesy, right? Yeah. I love because it's Ace like, there are things that are. That are sort of a pop song thing, but then the, the Scandinavians had this weird habit of just way too much of it. Yeah, and it made it well, cheesy. Their home furnishings are so simple that they have to do something with. Right, they they <laughs> took all of their aesthetic excess and yeah. and left it in the music because there was no room for it in their beautiful straight lines. Yes, I don't understand how you're going on this this <laughs> drag against one Scandinavian pop band for pop excess when we've got. America. 
Why? Which is the best at popping sauce. I suppose that there's an element in which... Except for NXS, because I think they're English. Both but... cheese and the Australian, hack. Maybe? I don't know. The cheese and the hack are both part of uh, the thing that uh, Umberto Eco described as the hyper-real. Yeah. The thing as the hyper charcuterie where, where there's so much of the thing, <laughs> yeah. but the but yeah. not the actual thing, but just the sign of the thing. Yeah. When you pile up the sign so much yeah, yeah. that the real authentic human experience has vanished underneath a a, a, a giant car accident worth of the excess. Yeah. This of is the why. Spectacle. This is why like Sharknado. Sharknado is hyper real because it's like it's like in the style of. Of, well, um, yeah, it's the difference between this. It's okay. in the style of failed hack, but it's just yeah, hack. and it's it's so then it fails it. Hack. Yeah, it's just so it's just cheesy. So then it's hack in the because it failed at failed hack. Okay, yeah, I was it thinking, failed at failed hack. So it's because like just what are the hack. what are the pandemic is a, I guess an example of that would be like failed hack. That's what, he, I'm, that's what we're saying about Sharknado. Right. Yeah. right. yeah but Sharknado that's failed failed hack. Right. Yeah, Sharknado failed. is attempting to be something like the room or birdemic, but is it? Uh, effectively just one more overproduced pop thing yeah. but it is also so bad but that it's it is totally kind of... awesome man because it's got sharp like snakes on a plane yeah that's also failed attempting no snakes on a plane is fucking awesome have you seen it <laughs> no i actually haven't seen it there's snakes <laughs> on a plane <laughs> there's a fish <laughs> In the percolator. <laughs> you never even seen Twin Peaks. I didn't say I'd never seen it. Mm. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> We're talking about Twin Peaks before the show. Yeah. Um. Well, so okay, because I was thinking of what are the terms, you know. Twin Peaks isn't cheesy, though, even though it does have a density of signs. But it doesn't matter. Right, but you don't know cheese. what any of them mean. Yeah, right. Okay, There's what about. But no, but. <laughs> it's, a, it's all a potent metaphor, but for what? <laughs> That's the problem with art. <laughs> well, what about what about Blue Velvet? That definitely trades in some major. Well, it's it's like like that the, opening, like the like opening sequence of Blue. Yeah, and then like in Douglas Sirk films, they're like a density of signs that relate to uh, like melodrama and like a pastiche of melodrama. But we know what those are oriented towards, so then those mm. can come across as cheesy because. But I don't think the Douglas Sirk movies are cheesy. No, and they're I don't, not. And they're I don't think not. that Mulholland Drive is cheesy. No, no, for sure. So, but they are have that, you do have yeah. those like discursively overdetermined signs. Right. The signs like, are present, but they seem to be deployed towards some new different ending. Yeah, but how? What's, is it just a, the, the, the signs are there, but they're being formulated. Well, they're being arranged toward, they're being yeah. arranged in this way that that seems yeah. to undermine there's a formal what they, mechanism at work what they would be traditionally it. be yeah. uh, attempting to accomplish right like yeah. if the Douglas Sirk uh, you know lush color and beautiful music and gorgeous photography were used in say like uh, you know some soap opera then the intent is easy to understand you're supposed to have this incredibly shallow connection but to the in, emotional in life of these characters to the, to the performances given by you know well douglas, jane wyman then it doesn't douglas sirk had yeah. a a much more complicated understanding of of character and human psychology yeah like his characters it you could watch those movies over and over again and never really understand what's going on on the inside of these people yeah they have so much subtext that you could you know you could propose a million different uh, explanations for how all these things fit together and you'd never come to really the end of it all and the the, the inexhaustibility of it yeah. like that's something that's true about david lynch as well yeah 
have, yeah. That's when it becomes a problem, though, because then anything could meet anything. Right. Like right. life. Like the real yeah. world. The thing. Yeah, but, but sometimes that's annoying. It's certainly because annoying. Because then you're like... And this then is what is so satisfying about things that are cheesy and things that are hacked, yeah. is mm-hmm. that they are... You can consume them. You can get to the bottom of the box. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you can yeah. feel like you can conquer something like a, a, Dane's, a Dane Cook joke. Yeah. Right. You, you you aren't left, you know, worried and, and having nightmares about oh, the, this unprocessed, you know, bit of uh, of art stuck in your brain. Like the in, in the Christmas Carol where there's the ghost that Scrooge is a bit of underdone potato. Right. More of gravy than the grave. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Like the thing about the hack is that you, you are not kept up at night by that. It is you. It is exhaustible. Yeah, but there's different kinds of signs that don't make sense. I mean, you're you're a notorious Matthew Barney hater. Is that correct? I am. But he he is entirely all about put, putting out art. Artfully. Is he a hack? Andre? He's a hundred percent a hack. Go on. Because he's very successful, and he puts out all this stuff there that that like like the original Shakespeare and the Klingon. I don't like Matthew Barney either, but I don't know if I would say he's a hack. He's absolutely a hack. Why is he a hack? Because he. Uh, creates a male model hello a preponderance of signifiers with no intention other than simply to present the signifiers to you as as aesthetic surreal moments but that is that is my hesitation with david lynch is that possible surrealism without the politics i hate fucking surrealism that's just like well, look at how weird and random isn't all surreal wait no, what's like surrealism? salvador dali that's what matthew barney is he's yeah. salvador dali he's yeah surrealism I, for the sake of creating aesthetic objects in the style of surrealism yeah like surrealism well, isn't like math or comes math. out of a really awesome like left-wing politics that right louis Bunuel yeah. was a socialist who was trying to yeah. you know like and help you, keep yeah. spain free yeah but that the legacy though of surrealism is renee magritte who was uh, an ad designer before he became a surrealist. Yeah, and yeah. advertising has most successfully absorbed surrealism. Yeah, and that's as it successfully absorbs everything. That's yeah. what advertising is. That's it's what's the, really upsetting about. Yeah, it. but most of the successful advertising is like is uh, incredibly indebted to surrealism. But that isn't something to do with surrealism so much as it has to do no, with No, that r- that's that is clear scientific evidence of why surrealism is a failure no. in an evil artwork. No. Eric, what I'm saying is no, that this it shows you something uh, look, the ads that work reflect the audience that consumes them and the fact that surrealism is by far the most effective way for ads to communicate with people means that surrealism is the most important approach to connecting to the the people's minds you you wouldn't be any good reason to use surrealism in advertising if surrealism if it didn't work if it weren't right if it didn't which means it can't be avant-garde then yes what are you talking about yes it can there's plenty of avant-garde surrealism not anymore though in the past because it's been co-opted by advertising Advertising—it's it's recodified those signifiers. If you look back at the '50s and '60s, you saw in advertising they caught on way before Hollywood did to Stanislavski and Strasberg yeah. and the yeah, method. Yeah. Stanislavski mm-hmm. used to be avant-garde. Isn't that hilarious? It's so funny. To Wait, me. Is right. that, but that's not surrealism. No, but it's—we're talking about things that used to be avant-garde and then. But I think I think surrealism—the uh, uh, what I can't think of the right word—but the 
what we've inherited from surrealism or what surrealism has left us with is what you were saying about people being self-reflective but not necessarily smart. So the the legacy of surrealism is like two things that don't go together. No, it's now true. we can this sell like, strawberry. This, this is what stra- people starburst. are with absurdism and satire too. Is these things get like they get to be understood as like the smart aesthetics, and then right. those smart aesthetics become therefore transposed as an ideology. Aesthetics then become ideology when really aesthetics yeah. are just aesthetics. They've just been so closely aligned to these ideologies that like advertisers mm-hmm. or like academics or politicians have decided that they mean. That like the the audi- audiences can't recognize or distinguish them anymore. This is why mm-hmm. like, yeah, like like a you know a great example of this is like, ugh, fucking to be that person, but like the swastika didn't used to mean Nazism. It, right. But that doesn't. But it's been so like or taken by Nazism as like this sign of Nazism that you can't separate it anymore. You can say all you want. Mm-hmm. Oh, I got this tattoo of a swastika because I'm like super into like. Killing Jews. Or no, because I'm super into like, what was it originally? It was like an Indian thing. Buddhist. Well, there were there were a lot of different groups. But it's also shown up in... You used it, right, in, uh, right. And be like, oh, I'm using it because actually because I'm reclaiming its original definition. It's like, no, you don't, man. Like that shit's been like t- completely like over-determined now. Like it is... It's a nice idea, yeah. but it is not... An unwillingness. I think one of the things that the hack does is... Uh, the hack is unwilling to accept the idea that there are consequences to aesthetic actions. Yeah. Well, yeah. I don't know. I've always felt, I, I mean, maybe it's different for filmmaking or poetry or theater, but in my visual art hemisphere, I've always felt that Dada was the avant-garde and the surrealists were the hacks. Why? Because the surrealists were just doing it over again in order to to make something that was because they were doing parlor uh, parlor games, which are fun, but it's still a parlor game. And they were like, they were the bourgeois. They were reading Freud for like its personal uh, ability to like give them you know better insight into their like brilliant bourgeois mind, where the Dadaists are like everything about culture is completely been. rendered moot by world war one we have to destroy everything particularly the bourgeois to start over and it's like yeah breton's manifesto of surrealism seems to be incredibly uh critical of the bourgeois yeah yeah well that's the other that's the other thing where you're talking about like a co-optation where um breton i mean he's he is the like uh high priest or whatever of surrealism um but in the sort of collective unconscious or whatever, the public mind, whatever, it's uh, he's like a marginal figure because, oh, surrealism. It's Dolly. It's Rene Magritte. Yeah. It's that melting clock guy, which is also like he's the melting clock guy when you're also like he had like one painting with melting clocks. That wasn't really his thing, like, which is also funny that he's, you know what I mean? Right. So it's really one image. Right. Like, he was more like the crutches holding up woman's butts guy. <laughs> and the stuff that looks like other stuff guy. Like, he was basically making handmade magic eyes. Mm. Oh. But they're, they're, see, he's a hack too, but he's also really fucking good. Like, when he's good, he's good. Yeah. Also, not a lot of people know this, but uh, surrealism officially ended when Andre Breton excommunicated himself. 
I don't know as much about the history of surrealism as I probably should. That was a joke. That, oh, I don't know. That apparently means I'm a hack. <laughs> On Twitter, it killed. I don't think anyone saw it or retweeted it. <laughs> retweeted? Oh, no. You'll know that you're an effective surrealist comedian when you have zero Twitter followers. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> That's not a Dada comedian. <laughs> you know what I... Wait, have I, I think I've talked about this before, about how I love to read the comments on advertisements on Facebook, and I also love Oh, to, yeah, like promoted tweets, yeah, and they're just and like... Yeah, and people are like, I love rigatoni, and it's just like some lady from Kansas City just like commenting that she loves rigatoni, and I'm just like, you, you go, you go, Joyce. Like, yeah. You know, like, <laughs> oh, that's that's probably the only part of Facebook that's nice. Yeah, I well, sometimes people get mad, but, but I really like that, and I think... I don't know. That's like an, an example of like how hack can be kind of nice sometimes because it's like, yeah, I guess advertising <laughs> is the, the the hack, the hack art. It is. It's the the, yeah. the hack medium, right? Because advertising is only concerned with whether or not the audience is on board. Well, because it's kind of the only art really where there's like a you can you can know whether or not you succeeded for sure. You I don't think advertising is like, art. Did you sell the product? Yes. Then you so then you did it right. Like you know. But, but I think advertising's <laughs> not art. It's it's the it's the control where you're like this is the thing that's everything like art, but we know because it's advertising, it's absolutely not art. But if you're using a painting's image in order to sell itself, isn't that exactly what an advertiser does? Well, the, like, yeah. So I'm not saying that's a good thing, but it's the no man. You're like putting yourself out there, you know, go get it, make it. You got to make it, put it on the Instagram. It's see if a gallery in Dusseldorf finds it. It seems to me, Andre, if we love your Instagram, can we put your paintings? How big are they? Send them to us. We pay you later. I'm just, we make you a big star I'm just having of the a, art world. I'm just having a hard time seeing the meaningful, formal differences between advertising and things that we would consider to be art forms. Like, well, advertising is capitalism or the spectacle or whatever, having all of its shit together and presenting itself to you. Whereas the person that Instagrams their artwork is like asking to participate in capitalism. So they're saying, absorb me. Hmm. And the other thing is like the blob coming back and presenting itself to you. It's also It's impossible sometimes. to be sincere as an advertiser. Andre's, Andre's concern is a real and legit one, but totally. I'm worried that it's like cynical in a way that's like, well, then what's the point of making art if it's as similar to advertising? I, I think there are some fundamental differences. Well, okay. I think so, that there could be, there could maybe be still advertising in the post-scarcity utopia. Okay. Like after capitalism is gone and everybody has as much of whatever they want as they like, then there is still the potential for there to be somebody who's like really into advertising and it's just like, I really want to make sure people choose the brown box and not the green box. Yeah. And it, I don't really. There's never going to be post-scarcity, though. Yeah. Oh, oh, girl. Well, I think. Oh, girl. Andre. No, 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 no. Eric brings up a good point. Even if you get to a point where, you know, people can have as many onions as they want. And I have all the onions I've ever wanted. I've never been like, man, if only I had an onion. I can have as many onions as I like. So in that way, post-scarcity is here for one commodity. For Andre. 
for me. For onions. Right. <laughs> and if it can be here for me, it can be it could be every day if you, you want, want it to, to be. be. Yeah. But the thing you that can have an onion the thing day. that you couldn't you can't really get to the post scarcity economy with is something that is always going to be limited, which is water. Identity. <laughs> which is the thing that artists are marketing, which is their mm-hmm. their personality. And it's the thing that is, I think, the most uh terrifying and destructive element of the avant-garde which is the idea that it matters more whether you're cool than whether you're good it's terrifying like hacks Mm -hmm. are not really concerned with being cool but they give up being able to commodify their identity in order to commodify their work Uh, no dude there are hacks that's what i was trying to say about with the dane cook thing or other comedians or artists or art critics or but in order to be smart enough to be a good hack they have to know that they're shitty yeah but they've given up their content they might have been good at one point and they you too isn't about the music anymore man that's what all the bands that's what happens when all the bands become hacks is they're you know they're like it used to be about the music and it's a and even that is a hack cliche but it's like totally true where it's like it used to be about the art it used to be about the writing so it's possible that that bono is totally deluding himself and he thinks he's a totally cool rock star and that if he went into some high school in belfast and hung out with some kids they'd be thrilled they'd be fucking stoked to hang out with bono their favorite rock star they Who's would because cool his cunt? cia people would have like uh found the right kids to like him. i think it's Who's more a- likely that bono believes that he is doing more good in the world by by leaning into the shitty hack yeah. pop singer identity and he has given up on his desire to commodify in an avant-garde way the coolness of his persona. Who is a cool comedian? Cool is an avant-garde. Hack. No, no, no. Cool is in like cool. Like that person's cool. Well, Bo Burnham. That's what I was thinking. Oh, I was going to say Aziz Ansari. Oh, no. He's Aziz a cool hack. That's why I didn't like it because everyone's like, he's so funny. And then his like, oh, his whole bit was about his like whole special was about like how he like got to hang out with Kanye and how crazy he is. Oh, OK. But anyway, it doesn't matter. Bo Burnham. Bo Burnham is cool because he's co-opted that like self-reflexivity thing as an indication of smartness. Google this motherfucker. As smartness, um, and that makes him cool because he's smart and young or whatever, and he wears like a white t-shirt. Um, I think I, I'm, I, I think what it is cool is that he is a distinction. T- you guys are is making. that he is he's doing things that an older audience will immediately recognize as being not what he expects them. To be like he he's he thinks he's or he presents himself rather i wouldn't presume to understand the the mind of Bo uh, no but he presents the mind him, of mencia little <laughs> he presents himself as as being up there on stage doing crazy shit like nobody ever would have thought to do any of this stuff right and you know, and, if you do, and people like, who are even just a little bit too old to be his audience are like, oh, no, what are you doing? No, 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 yeah. no, no. This is he doesn't look like a bow. This would be okay. embarrassing <laughs> for someone, you know, if they were doing this as like the 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 talent show in their undergrad dorm. Right. But yeah, but for some reason, because his audience is like 16 year olds. They 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 aren't quite old enough to see how how cloying and desperate and yeah. and he has performed a lot with a book on his head is all I've got to say. Yeah. yeah, he looks like he's okay. So he's told you're like he's that kid from that thing. 
He's that kid. Super successful dude, and yet, for some reason, like... Eric doesn't know who he is. How is this possible? <laughs> well, yeah, because grown-ups who care yeah. about comedy have no interest in his material. Yeah. Because they... Because they... it's just, if you know anything at all about the history of comedy, especially, like, like the 90s alt-comedy thing, and, like, you're not gonna... You're gonna see through it. Then you you know you recognize it as being warmed over bullshit. Yeah, you're gonna recognize it immediately. We are not here to disparage comedians. This no. is not. If about... you're a comedian, you should come on our show. <laughs> we would love to have you for real. Though you know, I gotta say, one of the things that I love about going to see comedy in Chicago is how few hacks there are compared to New York. I don't know. I think there. I think it's the same amount of hacks. I don't think it's worse. Per capita? I don't think it's worse than New York, but I think it's about the same. I see the same number. Yeah, per, yeah, per capita. I see the same number of hacks. I don't think that's true. I, I want to go back to the cool thing. I don't under I don't understand your distinction of cool. Like, everything about Bono is cool. He's like, look at my cool wraparound glasses no, 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 and my no, greasy those are hair. Signifiers. Cool. The signifiers of cool are talking about, like, yeah. authentic... Well, no, but a minute ago, oh, all right. No, when I say we when about, I am like, talking, when cool I'm people. saying cool, what I'm talking about is the You're ability talking. to commodify your identity to a particular avant-garde crowd of people that consider themselves to be beyond manipulation. Right. So when you are cool, then people who think of themselves as being critically aware are going to look at this person's identity in a commodified way and think all right this person is authentic this used but they're to be not they're not lena that, dunham used to when T- lena dunham did tiny furniture this was her she was initially cool in this way it was a long time ago but it was true. it's one of the ways in which comedians have changed a lot over the last 20 years because now ever since the alt comedy thing in the 90s where comedians started performing in like rock clubs and stuff in la and, you know, like Sarah Silverman and, and Patton mm-hmm. Oswalt and, and um, Todd Berry, yeah. you know, that they would. They, Dave Berry. They were oh, like. Dave Berry's <laughs> fucking act. They were all best friends with Stephen Malkmus and they were all so fucking yeah. cool. Right. Because, yeah. okay. you know, their ideas were weird and they were totally fine with being like an outsider doing experimental avant-garde shit and they didn't care if other people laughed and they didn't want yeah. uh, their own sitcom on NBC. They they wanted to be out there on the road doing the hard work and, you know, and really connecting with the people and not compromising and not being a hack, mm-hmm. right? This is a different... And then that aesthetic cool, got codified, well, but the work ethic did not. This is a different cool and avant-garde than... I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's different. Because I'm, uh, I mean, Can I'm you always. Join us? Well, I'm trying to. <laughs> like there are cool, there are like but the, signifiers I, I can't in the mainstream comedi- of what... comedians aren't cool. They're comedians. So whenever, uh, whenever there's a comedian that's cool, that you're used, like that used to be true, but it's not true anymore. Well, I'm sorry. Like if Aziz Ansari <laughs> is getting a phone call from Kanye West and Kanye's like, "Come hang out with us," that means Aziz Ansari is cool. Yeah, but not in a way I want to be cool. Or that I like. That's what I'm saying. You're is not when the something right because coolness, Eric. 
No, I, I know. That's why I know what's avant-garde and what's not. What's mm-hmm. cool and what I don't... What I don't is think ex- Aziz Ansari is cool, though, actually. I think that's a bad example because, well... Well, the character that he, he plays really on wants Parks to be and cool. Recreation is about a person struggling with the question of, am I cool? What do I need to do in order to be cool? How do I communicate my coolness to other people? How can I commodify it? And, you know, yeah. how, how do I market myself? That's you know, why I didn't like his actual stand-up because I was like, oh, this appears that Aziz Ansari, the person, is that much more honestly plagued by a need to be cool. Mm. Like when you're playing a character that's endearing on TV that we can identify with, that's one thing. But when you're like doing this big sold out show and you sound even more desperate and more oh. in need to be cool. I don't know. It's like I, yeah. sad. Yeah. Cause it's also like, yeah, like you're saying it to be funny, but it's also like, you're the jester. Like, you know that, right? Like, I have a hard time with, I remember taking on Andre to see as he's on sorry at uh, what is it? Be- at Beacon? Yeah, the Beacon Theater. The Beacon in, New York. in like 2012 for your birthday. And I didn't know how douchey the audience would be. He hated that audience. Yeah, it was weird to it be was, there. It was like a weird. I was like, I it was felt about 1,200 backward baseball caps and the women they brought with them. I know. And I but felt, that seems so really appropriate to the really, material. I don't think it, at the time it didn't seem like it would be. Like, I thought. Well, I get to everything late. So by the time I did see the special, uh, I was like, that's what I would expect. Was it 2012? Yeah, probably something like that. Well, you know what, Eric? It would be easier to market our commodified identities to you if you would get fucking internet in your house. (laughs) I'm a hacktivist. (laughs) How am I supposed? Oh, now you're a hacktivist. How am I supposed to infect your brain with my spectacle if you don't have like the fucking internet in your house? Wait, what are you gonna do with my brain and your speculum? (laughs) (laughs) The speculum of the other Eric. Uh, I wasn't saying that to be cool. I was like, I just, I'm behind. No, I, I just, I just remember comments. being bummed out because I thought, I was like, oh, Aziz Ansari, he's like a goofy, funny guy. It'll be fun to go to his show. And then it was just like, oh my God, I didn't know this was like a thing. Like, Well, this is a problem with comedians, you know, like you, you go see, you know, a, a thousand comics, right? And you see somebody do a really good job and you're like, oh yeah, that person was actually really good. I should pay more attention to this person. And then within like, Six yeah. months, they they have transformed yeah. into this marketing machine. Yeah. So is the is the audience? It's like I saw them before they were good, or I saw them when before they were cool. Is that the audience fighting back? I saw Fallout Boy before they became famous, and I think they were way cooler then. <laughs> right, but I mean, so sometimes it, I mean, you are. It is an honest assessment where you're like, yeah, when I saw that band, and there were only thirty people, and you could like just yeah. enjoy it in an intimate setting, that was like better music. But is that sort of a way of fighting back at this thing where they sell you sincerity and or, you know, authentic experience? And then you're like, now they're selling out uh, arenas. And, and then you're like, oh, well, yeah, like, is that your way of fighting? Is not you personally, but like one's the audience's way of sort of fighting back at the performers commodifying their coolness or whatever, commodifying their success or going to their success. Because is that does that especially in music there's the whole like oh you sold out yeah and it seems like that's the i don't know with comedy it's harder because like for selling out because like most comics like want to sell out like they're so desperate to succeed because nearly all of them are poor kids who (laughs) who came from bad 
upbringings and and didn't go not to anymore. Now, yeah, now, no, but like, now most they're the making comics I know are like like rich kids who like. Well, not here in Chicago. Ton all the dirtbag comics you ever saw in Chicago. <laughs> Once are, again, we love comedians. <laughs> yeah. You know, they're all like alcoholics who pieces of shit who are like. <laughs> Yeah. You know they they're miserable and they've been doing it for thirty years. They kick and, dogs. Yeah, and there are now there are these nineteen year old kids who are coming up, and then they're you know by the time they're twenty one, they have a, a they have representatives in the first look deal at Sony, and you know yeah. and those people went to college. Yeah. Well, but they're even doing a thing. I keep getting. I I love. We were talking about like promoted things and Facebook ads and stuff. And I love how just like Twitter is just trying, but they cannot. Yeah. They're just like, they, they've gotten better from putting like D- Dakota access pipeline facts, promoted tweets in my feed. Like they've learned that that's not a thing I'm into. And then yeah. they're like, well, wait, maybe we'll do Navient's disinformation against the lawsuit promoted tweet. Um, <laughs> but the latest one is like Showtime or something is doing a, you know, expose show about how hard it is to be a comedian. I'm dying up here. Yes. Brand new on Showtime. And I'm going to have to watch it, and I really don't want to watch it, but I have to watch it. Fortunately, we have Showtime. Yeah, fortunately. That's because you have internet? Yeah. (laughs) It it actually came free with our Comcast. Every single time it's time to renew, I threaten to quit, and then they just give me more free shit. (laughs) Now we get Cinemax, HBO, and Showtime for free. Yeah. It's pretty dope, guys. All right. I have to go to the bathroom, so I'm going to say that this is the end of the show. Um, I am so excited that Noisy Ghost came back. I'm happy that we got to talk about Hack. Yeah, it's been a long time. Uh, Eleanor and I got married. Eleanor's pregnant with my baby. Uh, My baby, too. It's not just his baby. Yeah, we'll see. Andre impregnated her. (laughs) It's not like the ancient Greek idea where, like, you just, like... Eleanor passed her comprehensive exams. Yes, yes. I mean, it was much more like a, two insects, and like one of them shoved their ovipositor down the. That was exactly yeah. since what the our last time we recorded like. an episode. Yeah. Eleanor and I have been married twice, actually. Yeah, we got married because they in broke June, up famously in June for my family in California, so my grandma could see in a really, really small thing, and then we got married for real in uh, in Chicago. Which one's fake news? They're both real. Oh, they're both real, and news. they're both fabulous. They're both real. Yeah. <laughs> what? Was that like a reference of one of my breast is fake? <laughs> uh, one's real and one's fake, but they're both fabulous. Um. Also, my leg fell asleep. Okay. Uh, we You've ha- moved twice, probably. We, yeah, we moved a lot. We have a famous lost episode about split points or whatever. It's okay. A hollow point. Match hollow point. Directed point. by Sydney Fury. Yeah. Yeah. I could never figure out a monologue for that thing. Cause it I, should just be about sagging. Right. Sa- saggy clothes in the 90s. Sagging. <laughs> okay, that's the end of the episode. <laughs>